Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. That blesses my heart. Praise God. Y'all ready for a word today? I'm ready to preach one. Lord, help me do my best. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Matthew, Mark, Luke, if you're in your New Testament. And it reads something like this. Every year his parents, they're talking about Jesus. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, underline that, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Underline went back. Look at your neighbor say went back. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I love verse 49. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? (laughs) But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. If you believe that, say amen. Today, I'm going to preach a message entitled Kingdom Business. Kingdom Business. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you once again for this day. But this is the day that you with me, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place and watching online today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this message the most. Lord, I pray you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I just thank you, Lord, for the person that feels like they're missing something. Let them know that they can only find it in you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Everybody set? Everybody set? Somebody give Jesus one more shout of praise today. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I'm so glad that you are in the place today. If you are watching online, shout out to the people watching in the 57 different nations that watch Cool Church. Could y'all give it up for the online campus? We love y'all. And online is cool. If you live local, man, I encourage you to get in the place because the energy is amazing. If you love being in God's house, make some noise. Come on. So we've been in a series called Divine Disruption. How many of y'all have been here for the last two weeks for the series? Raise your hand so I can see. Good. Thank you for coming back. I lo- have y'all been liking this series so far? Divine Disruption. We've defined disruption or Webster's defines disruption as a disturbance or problems which interrupt an event, an activity, or a process. Most people don't like disruptions because they hate being interrupted. Is there somebody out there that agrees with that? Say amen. People don't like getting interrupted. So the, the word disruption has a negative connotation many times, but I love the second definition of disruption. And it's a radical change to an existing industry or market due to technological innovation. That's a beautiful description of the word because the word disruption often gets a bad rap, but I've said this every week, disruption 
is essential to innovation. Things cannot grow if they do not change. You cannot have breakthrough unless there is a shift. If you are comfortable with the way things are, then it's going to be hard for you to get to where God wants you to be because more often than not, God's going to change something in your life to take you to where he wants to take you. So you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because we serve the God that I love what Marilyn says. Some people think, hey, you get to Jesus, life is easy. I'm living on easy street. Can I tell you that that is the furthest thing from the truth? I love Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. But can I tell you, it's been far from easy. But even though it ain't easy, I'm blessed. Why? Because before, I was living this life on my own. But now that I got Jesus, no matter how complicated it gets, no matter how difficult it may seem, I know that I'm not going alone because Jesus is with me. Life is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. Can I tell you the only way to truly enjoy life is to live life with Jesus? I need Jesus in my company at all Times And once again, you need Jesus to change something on the inside of you. His disruption, his divine disruption is essential to innovation in your life. And the only way I would say to maximize these last two weeks of 2023 and to have the breakthrough that maybe you've been waiting all year long for is to lean into your divine disruption. There's some people that wonder like, man, like, Weeks coming to a close. I've been waiting for God to show up all year. Pastor, I remember you said January 1st, this going to be my year. Hadn't felt like it yet. Maybe it hasn't felt like it because God's been disrupting you and you have not leaned into the disruption. Maybe he's doing something that feels uncomfortable. It may feel uncomfortable at first, but I promise you, if you lean into it, there is breakthrough on the other side. At some point, we preached this the first week, you got to allow Jesus to disrupt your life and give you the truth because it is only the truth that will set you free. The question I ask is, are you mad when Jesus disrupts you with the truth, though? A lot of people get mad when Jesus disrupts them with the truth. Why? Because they don't want the truth. They want their truth. People live with that statement. It's a statement that people make all the time. Oh, I'm just going to live my truth. The problem with my truth is my truth might not align with your truth and your truth, and your truth, and your truth. And we all got these truths. The question you have to ask is, well, who's right? So I don't really prescribe to the notion of my truth. I prescribe to the notion of the truth. For the Bible says that Jesus is grace and truth. And if you have the truth of Jesus in your life, here's the thing about the truth of Jesus that makes people upset. Oftentimes the truth about Jesus contradicts the truth about you. You don't like the truth about Jesus because the truth of the matter is, is that if you align with the truth, something in you has to change. Your truth gets shifted. Your truth must change to align with his truth. And once again, it is only the truth that sets you free. So when Jesus, when he disrupts you with the truth that brings freedom, we talked about this last week, then we are free to claim our true identity through baptism. What does that mean? Before baptism, you identify with your truth. After baptism, you get baptized to show who you identify with and what you identify as. In a time of life where people are identifying as many different things, I got baptized as a public declaration to show that my identity is not found in myself. My identity is only found in Jesus. So when I say what I identify as, I identify as a child of God because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I identify with him. Why? Because he took time to wrap, God took time to wrap himself in flesh and become a human, be born as a baby in a manger, grow in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and men, and get crucified on a cross for sins he did not commit. Why is that important? Because God is the only God that will take time to identify with us. He's like, I'm going to live the life I'm asking you to live so you know that it's possible. I'm, I'm a God that's not too high and mighty to get close to his creation. He says, I'm going to identify with you, but now I need you to identify with me. 
Because I identify with him, I am a child of God. I don't care what the world says about me. You could like me, you could leave me, you could not care about me. I know who I am because I'm not defined by what people say about me. I am defined because the definer or the creator of God made me and he defined me before I ever even spoke a word out of my mouth because he spoke the world into existence. And his word says that he wrote out each and every one of my days before any one of them came to be. The Bible says before I formed you, I knew you. Why wouldn't you want the person that formed you and knew you before you even knew you to define you? You let the world you let the world of other creations define you instead of allowing the creator to define you. My identity is found in Jesus and I identify as a child of God. But now today we will take a moment to look at the adolescent life of Jesus. The first week, we looked at Jesus in the temple of his hometown, Nazareth. And because people were too familiar with him, they, they was like, nah, he, he had disruption we don't want. And they tried to kill him. And Jesus was like, man, a prophet is, is never recognized or honored in his own home. You see, he was trying to disrupt their status quo. He was trying to disrupt their normal, and they weren't having it. Last week, we looked at Jesus getting baptized, and it was a beautiful divine disruption where we see God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, three in one, the Trinity, one in three, all show up at the same place at the same time as Jesus is obedient to identifying with us so that we can identify with him. And it was a divine disruption that allows us to walk in the freedom that we walk into today. But now we're going to keep going back in time in the life of Jesus to when he was 12 years old, when he was an adolescent. And there was a divine disruption that Jesus causes amongst his own parents. I, I love this because it was a moment that probably shocked them, but it was a great moment to really speak to what the mission of Jesus really was. And I want to see what lessons we can learn from this divine disruption of the adolescent Jesus. And the first thought I have is, it's simple, but I want you to catch it. Jesus wants to disrupt your routine. He wants to disrupt your routine. What's a routine? A routine is a, is a rhythm. It's a, it's a culture that you prescribe to. It's a, it's a custom or a common practice. It's something that brings normalcy to your life. Jesus wants to disrupt your routine. Let's look and see what the scripture says in Luke 2, 41 through 44. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. You notice that it starts by saying every year, every year. Every year, when you do something every year, what is that? There you go. <laughs> Routine. Every year, Jesus' parent went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Y'all, they lost Jesus. They had one job. Mary and Joseph, y'all had one job. Like, I, like, yo, lose your keys. Lose your wallet, maybe. Lose Jesus? A whole human? They, lo they lost Jesus. And then, here's the thing. Thinking he was in their company. They lost him, they didn't even realize they lost him. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. You lost the Messiah for a day? A whole day. DCF would be on them so fast. They lost him for a day. They began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. Now, Let's, let's, let's look into this, let's dig into this a little bit. As a Jewish man, Joseph would have had to adhere to the customs of his culture, which is why they went to go celebrate the Passover, this, this feast day. Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose 
at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of the tabernacles, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. So once again, Jesus was just going about doing what was customary, right? So, he's, so Joseph trying to be, you, you know, follow his good practices and, and, and live up to what the Torah says. He's going to fulfill the feast days. That, that, that feast of unleavened bread is what we recognize as the Passover. He's going to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate that at the temple. They would have lived in Galilee, but they would have gone all the way to Jerusalem. That would have been about a 70-mile journey. So, and remember, there, there was no cars. Like, they, they were walking, okay? So they were walking 70 miles. This journey would have taken at least two days because they would have went anywhere from, from 25 to 30 miles a day. That's usually how much they track when they walk that way. They might stop and sleep, and then they get up the next day and go another 25 to 30 miles. They walked all of that way. So... You know, Joseph thinking, he's like, man, I'm the head and priest of my home. I'm going to take my family to go celebrate the Passover. He's thinking he's doing the right thing. And then, and then Jesus, I'm sure he's excited because he was used to going to the temple. This is something that they did every year. This year would have been a little different because around the ages of 12 or 13, that's when Jewish adolescents begin to come into adulthood. We know it as their bar mitzvah, right? So, so Jesus is getting excited because he's, he's coming up into a different level. You know, he got a couple chest hairs now, so he's excited. You know what I'm talking about? So, man, y'all too saved today. Okay, so, so anyways, Mary's probably excited. She's like, look at my man Joseph. He's leading his family. He's the head and priest of his home. And they all gone. They're taking this walk to go and fulfill what was customary. Now, you're probably wondering, like, like how, how do you lose a whole 12-year-old? Like a whole 12-year-old. Well, what would have happened is they would have went to Jerusalem. They would have partaken in the feast day the first day. And then for the next seven days, they would have been kind of playing out all the activities around the, 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 the feast day. So it really would have been like an eight-day kind of celebration. Then all of, listen, all of their neighbors, all of their family, you have to understand, they did not make this journey by themselves. So it wasn't just Jesus and Mary and Joseph and a donkey going through like, you probably picture in your mind like the Sahara Desert, like walking forever in their foot tracks in the sand. That's not how it was. There was a caravan of people. It was, it was a whole crowd of people, man. And it was people they knew. It wasn't like random people. Like it was all their neighbors. Everybody had to go fulfill the same thing. And, and, and there's some theologians that even think like, like the, the men were kind of together. You know, they was walking. You know, they was on the road vibing. Like, man, you seen that game last week? Yeah, you know I seen that game, man. Right? Dolphins, they should have won that, but they had some issues in the last, you know, it was probably talking through the game. And then maybe the women might be together. They'd be talking amongst themselves and they'd be watching the children. But the children, you know how, you know, you, you know how ladies are. They, they talking, they talking about the latest tea, whatever it is, right? And then the kids, they running, right? They just running, you know. Kids just run. They don't even know why they running. They just running. They just running everywhere. So picture this, a car caravan of people, man. Like trusted people. This reminds me of like how I grew up. Like when, when, I, when I grew up, you know, 100 years ago, when I grew up, like, I remember that we would all be at each other's houses all the time. Like, all our neighbors knew each other. I could go eat dinner at any one of my neighbor's houses and my parents wouldn't even worry about it. Right? And, and, and what was my signal to come home? Streetlight. Streetlight came on. Time to go home. Now? Eh. Like, Baba, you can't go nowhere. But we all trusted each other. It was a community of people. Everybody took care of each other's kids. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So I, I, I know like, you know, we, we, we might want to try to be hard on Joseph and Mary, but you got to understand they was around family. They was like, you know what? It's cool. We ain't worried. Somebody got them. Somebody know where Jesus is. And you know, I, like I, for me, I definitely can't judge them. Let me ask you, how many of y'all ever lost your kid? Don't raise your hand. Put it down. Put it down. So I was like, listen, hey, don't feel bad. I've done it. I've lost my child. Yes, I'm a terrible father. I'm sorry. I'm getting better in Jesus' name. You said, where you lost your kid? Here. I lost my kid at church. Why? Why you, how you lose your kid at church? Because everybody's family. So like, I'm like, you know what? Somebody know where my child is, 
right? So I know, like, I, I never forget one day, I, <laughs> one day I was at the church, I'm outside talking to people, you know, Joanne's outside talking to people, what it is, and, and I called, I said, hey, have, have you seen Baby Girl? Because, you know, I like try to hang around till like everybody leaves. And I was like, man, it's the cry getting thin, I don't see my child. I said, you seen Baby Girl? She's like, no, I thought she was with you. I'm like, no, I thought she was with you. Any parents out there you ever did it? Like, I thought she, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. I'm like, nah, okay, uh, let me just, I was like, well, don't panic, don't freak out, don't freak out. I'm like, man, somebody in the kids team gotta know what she, hey, y'all see, nah, uh, nah, she left, I'm like, left, who let her leave? <laughs> like, uh, so now I'm like asking, I'm walking around the bill, I'm like, yo, where's my kid? I can't find my kid. I'm, I'm, I'm like frantic, Joanne's looking, we're all looking, I'm like, yo, how I lose my kid at church? I said, yo, let me make one more phone call. I called my dad. I said, pop, you, you seen Vava? He, he a Vinci, you know, your old island mates. Said, Terry, she right here with me. We at the house, we eating food and thing. We waiting on you. I'm like, I'm like thank you. Jesus, that she was with her grandparents. How could you lose a kid? You could lose a kid when you get comfortable. You, 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 could, you could lose a kid when everything is very familiar and you're like, somebody's got her. I, 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 as much as, you know, we, we may want to look at Joseph and Mary and be like, yo, they was kind of negligent. Like, I would never lose Jesus. Like, but if we can be honest, I think what happens is when you get so used to something being a certain way, you start to take it for granted. And because they were so used to Jesus being around, I feel like they might have taken him for granted, which is why they lost track of him. And I wonder if there's a person in this place that might align or agree with something that I'm going to throw at you. Because here's the truth of the matter. How many times, y'all, have people taken their spouse for granted because they've always been there? It's like, oh, she, she going to be there. He, he going to be there. You take it for granted. Because, like, you don't even do the stuff that you used to do when you first met him. Man, when I met this girl, man, she was cooking every night, man. Whoo, it was good, man. I was just busting up SpaghettiOs. I was there. She was killing it. Now I'm Uber eating every night. Might have taken him for granted. Or... Oh, when, he was, when we first got it, he was so romantical, like, he was writing me letters and stuff, and now nah, he, he don't even send me a text. You take it for granted because you just assume because they've been there that they'll always be there. Huh. Well, let's flip it, though. Maybe, maybe you're a parent. Maybe you've neglected your kids for your career. Because you thought more stuff was going to make up for the quality time that they were missing. You take your kids for granted, so you're like, oh, you know, hey, they kids, they ain't got nowhere else to go. They go, they go hey, they got to be here for at least 18 years. Let me let this Xbox raise them. Let me let this PS5 raise them. Let me, let me let this screen raise them, not realizing that that screen cannot replace the quality time that they only want with you. You're taking them for granted because they literally, you like, oh, they don't know any better yet. I promise you, they remember everything. They remember all the promises that were broken because you chose to chase the bag instead of them. And one day, if you're not careful, if you keep taking them for granted, you may live to regret it. But let's flip that. What about kids that ignore their parents? You say, oh, the kids in the kids' zone. You should, hey, Pastor, you should go over there and tell them that because I, I don't feel appreciated. Yeah, those kids grow up to be adult kids that still ignore their parents. Why? Because you ignore them because they annoy you. How, how, your, how your parents annoy you? Hey, uh, Terry, how you, how you work this phone? I need you to come. I need you to come tell me how to, how to, how to work this phone. My, I'm like, Dad, I live 20 minutes away, man. Like, I got to drive over there to, to tell you how to do FaceTime? That kind of defeats the whole point, don't it, sir? Come fix the VCR. Who still has a VCR? <laughs> and it can be frustrating. How, how you send this, this, this email? I'm like, yo, 
How you attach this thing? I can't attach it. I can, I can, I can write, I can't attach. It's frustrating. Y'all laughing because I, I, I guess I'm not the only one going through this pain, right? Like we all get older. And then we can't keep up with the technology or whatever it is. And some of us get frustrated and annoyed with our parents. The kids get annoyed with their parents. But you may get annoyed and take them for granted now. But some of you who have lost those parents only wish they were here to annoy you now. Don't take them for granted. Because they ain't going to be here forever. Huh. Well, how many people just take Jesus for granted because he's always been with you, but you get mad and frustrated when he doesn't answer your every wish like a genie? Truth of the matter is, Jesus is not around you to grant wishes. He's with you to grow relationship. He wants an intimate beautiful relationship with you. He desires to be with you and wants you to always be attentive enough to spend time with him because the truth of the matter is you cannot get mad when you feel like Jesus is missing when the only time you pay attention to him is when you need something. Don't take it for granted. You good, you living life, you making money, you all right, and then as soon as it looks like your world about to crumble, Jesus! You ain't been to church in a year. You ain't prayed in a week. You ain't opened your box. Well, you might not even have one. But as soon as something goes down, Jesus is like, this is not the type of relationship I want with you. You think I'm missing. No, I've been here. You just haven't been paying any attention to me. You have taken me for granted. And some of you think, Jesus ain't here, I don't feel him. No, 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 that's not even biblical if you think that way. Because the Bible says in Matthew 28, 20, teach these new disciples to obey all my commands that I have given him. And here's the best part, and be sure of this. He said, hey, he's like, be confident of this. He is like, this is a word you could take to the bank. This is Jesus saying this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's like, hey, even when you're gone, I'm gonna still be here. I'm always going to be here. I'm going to be with you. The truth is, Jesus never leaves us, but we have all had the tendency at one point or another to try to leave him. And you have to ask yourself, are you so involved in the routine of your life that you can't even tell that Jesus is missing? Some of us are so used to what we're doing. So used to our routine and our everyday life. We just going, I'm do, every year I go do this. Every day I do this. Every month I do. You so used to doing you the way that you do you. You have learned how to live a life without even acknowledging Jesus. But when you need him, you wonder why he's missing. He's, he's not missing. You just may not have been paying attention. Jesus comes to disrupt your routine, but secondly and lastly, Jesus disrupts your business with kingdom business. Catch this, Luke 2, 46 through 49. I love this. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, so he wasn't just missing for one day, y'all. It was three days. It, 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 on the third, they found him on the third day. So, 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 Jesus, he gets left behind. Day one, they gone. How many day? How many? How many miles could you travel in a day? Twenty-five to thirty, right? So they had got 25, 30 miles down the road, and it's like, oh snap! Jesus ain't here. They had to take another day just to get back to where they was, and then they find him on the third day. Right? So, so I, I love this. It says, after three days, three, oh Lord, oh man, they should have got arrested. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you? He's, listen to his answer. 
Listen to this. Listen. This is Jesus. He's 12 years old. He, 12 years old, he says this. Why were you searching for me? First of all, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding, Jesus, but shut up. Why were you searching? Could you imagine a 12 year old? Probably poked his chest out. He had two chest hairs. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Twelve year old to tell you that? Didn't you know? So like when I read the Bible, I like to see it like a movie. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm picturing this, 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 this scene. Before they, before they, they, they go find Jesus, they, Joseph and Mary have this moment, right? They have this moment where, you know, they're, they're, they're going on a journey and, you know, they, 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 they make it on the plane on time. They're sitting on the airplane. Track with me. I know there was no planes back then, but listen. They're sitting on the airplane. And, and Mary, you know, she got this, this look of, like, concern. You know, Joseph, he just, he just ah, I got to put this bag up here, you know, right? He sits down. Mary's like, Joseph. She's like, what, girl? He good. We, you know, Joseph, Joseph just glad we made it, you know, because, you know, Mary was taking forever to get ready, makeup, hair done, nails done, everything, dishes, gluing up, eyelashes. Just like, yo, we're going to miss this joint. Like, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Mary's like, just wait, just wait. You know, she got her edge control, you know what I'm saying? She's doing, she doing, she doing, she doing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so she's doing, she doing all that. And Joseph's like, oh, Mary, we got to get on this plane, girl. Say, so make the plane. Joseph's like, oh, thank God. Thank God we made the plane. We made the plane. And Joseph, he, he really, he's like, ah, oh, man, I, I did my job. I got us here on time. Mary, like, Joseph, something wrong. I know it was wrong, girl. We almost missed this plane. No, that ain't it. That's not it. I, I feel like, I feel like we forgot something. She was like, nah, girl, we, we, we good. I, I took the donkeys out before we left. You know what I'm saying? We good. Um, got the lights on automatic timers. We good, you know? Um... No, Joseph, that's, that's, no, no. And then, you know, Mary starts saying, maybe I'm just overthinking this. She's like, you always overthinking everything. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 Joseph. I, I'm t- I, got this, I got this feeling in my stomach, like something ain't right, Joseph. I don't know what it is. Girl, let me, uh, uh, oh, I know what it was. I left the garage door open. That's what it was. No, Joe, that's not it. I can't, oh, it's, it's going to drive me crazy if I can't figure it out. Mary's sitting there just, Kevin, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Y'all knew it was coming. <laughs> I just see that plan. Mary just has a revelation that, wait, there's a big part of our life that's not here right now. Jesus is Missing. Have you ever thought that there were times that God allows you to forget something because he's trying to disrupt something? Like you ever get that pit in the middle? It's like, man, you ever just feel like that? That's times I'm just going about my business. I'm like, man, something missing. I can't figure it out. I can't, but I know there is something missing in my life that is supposed to be here right now. And I don't know what it is and I cannot figure it out. Can I give you a word of advice when you feel like that? This might be the word of the Lord for somebody because look at what it says in Luke 2, 46 through 4. It says, Luke 45, excuse me. It says, when they did not find him, what they do, y'all? They went back. When they did not find him, they went back back to look for him. And I believe that the word of the Lord for somebody in this place that might feel like something is missing in your life, that might feel like there's something in the pit of your stomach and you don't know what it is, you feel uneasy because something is not here that is supposed to be here. The word of the Lord for you today is to go back. Look at your neighbor say, go back. Look at your other neighbor say, go back. God may be disrupting you in your job right now because he wants you to go back to the dream for the business that you gave up on. Go back. It's a reason you feel unsettled working where you work because God didn't tell you to work there. It might just be something to hold you over, but he put a God dream in you that you you put to the side because you thought it was too hard. Go back. Go back. God may disrupt your paper chase to go back 
back to full reliance on him as Jehovah Jireh. Some of you got a little money in your pocket and you think you're doing something right now, but God is here to tell you that that money cannot sustain you because that money did not make you. I made you. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I'm your ever-present help in time of need. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, so if you need me, don't check your bank account. You need to check heaven and allow me to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you don't rely on that money go back to relying on God God may disrupt somebody's side piece shenanigans to go back to your family where you belong ain't as many amens on that one Yeah, you're right, Pastor, because I, be, I don't be feeling good when I'm with her. Like, I know. You know what I'm saying? I don't be feeling good. Go back to your wife. You're right, Pastor, because he my work husband and all. Stop saying stuff like that. I hate that nonsense. He my work You know, he pay attention to me here, so he my work husband. You know what I'm talking about? But, but you know, at, the one at home, he... Mm, mm, mm. Go back! Go, go. This might say somebody marriage today. Go back. Get out of the nonsense. Why you got to talk like that? Because it's real and too many people come to my office with that kind of nonsense. Go back to your family. I promise you where you are is not worth it. Go back. Go back. God may disrupt your isolation to go back to community. You know how many people haven't come back to church since COVID? I just thought, you know, it's just, I find it's better when it's just me and Jesus. That's not even biblical. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. There's encouragement in the body. The Bible also says that we are a what? Body. I've never seen a toe get along on its own. The only hand that I've seen go on its own was cousin it in the Adams family. That didn't work out too well either. We all need to be a part of something. We need to be connected. If it's just you and Jesus, that's a problem because why does it need to be us and Jesus? The reason that Jesus comes into your life is so you can go be a blessing to other people. We just saw two heroes stand on this stage. They've lived their whole life blessing other people. We wouldn't celebrate them if they just lived life for themselves. I'm here to tell you, like, you, 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 you gotta, God's going to disrupt your isolation to go back to community because life should never be done alone. If Jesus walked on this earth with 12 other dudes at, at, that had his back at all times, what makes you think you could walk on this thing by yourself? My, my mom always says, says, no man is an island. Everybody needs somebody. God may disrupt your comfort to go back to your purpose. He may disrupt your comfort to go back to your purpose because the hardest things to do are the things that God has called you to do. But if you go back to them, you will find he is right there waiting for you. God doesn't call you to do something so you can do it on your own. He calls you to do it so that you can do it with him because where we are weak, he is strong. That's why it says he is your ever-present help in time of need. He knows you will need him and he is ready to step up and do whatever is necessary for you to do what he has called you to do. God will cause you to go back to find him because you should never move forward without him. And where do you find Jesus? Where do you find him? I love it because the Bible gives us a clear answer. Luke 2.49 says, why were you searching for me? He asked. He probably said it with like a high argument. Why was y'all searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know? I had to be in my father's house. Yeah. Of course that's where you're going to find him. Of course. In his father's house. Like where else would he be? He's, he's Jesus. I, I, I love this. because like, I love that it does, it's, it, it, like, it's implied. But like you notice we never hear Joseph respond in this story. Like we hear Mary, how could you do that to me and your, and your father? And Jesus was like, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Joseph couldn't say nothing. Joseph was like, mm. He knew he wasn't that boy daddy. He knew. What was he going to say? G Touche. What was he going to say? What was he going to say? Joseph caught it. That's why he didn't say nothing. He's like, oh, he's talking about his daddy daddy. Mary, shh, don't say nothing else. Don't say Another word, where else would Jesus actually be though? Of course he's going to be in his father's house. You know, sometimes I just think like we overcomplicate this Christianity thing. 
I, I really think like we put like too much into it. Like what if I told you that God was causing you to have a divine disruption to get back to his house for his business? Like, like there's some people here in this room right now and maybe you ain't been to church in a long time. And I want to ask you something. What made you come today? There's some people that have never come before. What made you come today? Why, why didn't you come all those? I believe you had a divine disruption this week. Something happened and you was like, um, let me find myself in church this week. Or maybe it's just one of your friends that actually invited you when nobody else would. Say, like, hey man, come through. That friend, God was using him as a divine disruption to get you in this house. Now the question you have to ask yourself is why? Why of all the times you've been ducking and evading God's house, why today? Why this week did God allow this divine disruption to happen? Because you've got business to attend to. Why do I know that? Some translations of this, it doesn't say my father's house. He says, of course that's where you're going to find me. I had to be about my father's business. If God interrupted you and got you here today, you've got business to attend to. Business. I, I love this because some of us are very casual about God's house and God's business, but at the end of the day, there isn't any business that you have that's more important than kingdom business. Nothing. Like, you may be a doctor, you may be a lawyer, you may be whatever title you want, you might be a politician. Listen, all those things are great. Can I tell you there is no business more important than God's business? Listen, I'm a pastor. I'm not, what I'm not saying is, man, you got you to gotta work in God's house and you got to preach and you got to teach. Listen, he allowed me to do that, but I've always said, you don't have to preach to preach. You don't just preach with your words, you preach with your life. Maybe God will give you compassion for the have-nots, for the disenfranchised. Maybe that's your purpose. Maybe as a lawyer, you take up the cause of the have-nots. Maybe as a doctor, you use your hands to heal. It does not matter what you do. Everything is ministry when you're about kingdom business. Everything. Every single thing you could possibly do is about kingdom business. Because everything you do should point back to God. I preached this before, but in, in the Jewish language, there's a word avodah. You know what it means? It means work. It means service. And it means worship. All three at the same time. It means all three of those things. What is that? What is it trying to tell you? That your work should be your worship. Your work should be your service. Your work, your worship, and your service is all the same thing. So when you go to work, whether it's on the pulpit, whether it's in a parking lot, whether it's on the back of a dump truck, you need to do what you do for the glory of God because you are doing it as a service to humanity and you are doing it to worship the Most High God. Everything we do is about kingdom business. Every single thing. Don't think that what you're doing is too small. If God has you doing it, it's kingdom business. Don't think, oh, I ain't got the expertise, Pastor. I don't know my whole Bible. I barely know how to pray. If God has you breathing, you got business to attend to. There's so many people, they're looking, instead of seeing this divine disruption in their life, instead of seeing that they got business to attend to, so many of us look at Christianity like, like it's an inconvenience to their lives. Like, um, like I gotta go to church on Sunday? Like, I love Jesus, but like I got I gotta be there? Or 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 I, I, I gotta get into a connect group, like I gotta do life with people, or or I got I gotta pay tithe, like I gotta I got like I gotta give money to this thing, like or I, like Pastor Fr like I love Jesus, I gotta pray all the time. I, I gotta, I, I gotta do that. Oh, I got, I gotta serve on team. Like I, I, ha, I have to do. You know what the problem with that is? You're treating God like you're doing Him a favor by showing up and being a part of community, not realizing He keeps disrupting you to help you stop wasting your time focusing on things that have no eternal value. You ain't doing God a favor by showing up. You're getting favor by showing up. You ain't doing, listen, 
You, you, you think, you think, you, you listen, you think because you come to God's house and serve you God's gift? You think you a gift to God's house? God's house is a gift to you. It's a gift to you because we get to do this. I have an opportunity, a favorable time for the attainment of a goal. I have an opportunity to be about kingdom business. And I'm glad I get to do it now. And I've been doing it for the last 20 years of my life because for the first 20 years of my life, the only business I cared about was my own. At some point in life, you got to realize are the investments you're making, are they temporary or eternal? Listen, the longer you invest in yourself and the longer you think about your business, you're going to waste time that you could have been storing things up in eternity, y'all. I want the things that I do to last forever. I want the things that I do to matter, not to man. I need the things that I do to matter to God. I don't need to be about my business. I need to be about kingdom business. Some of us are just, I love my wife preached a message the other week called Mind Your Business. But some of us are so focused on minding our business when he keeps bringing us back to his house on some kingdom business. It's good to mind your business and stay out of people's way, but don't mind your business so much that you forget about God's business. You need to be on some kingdom business. Some of us are so worried about people like us on social media when God wants to elevate you above these petty platforms on some kingdom business to influence people to like him. Some of us are worried about if we're getting flued out by somebody and God wants to fly you all over the world on some kingdom business to preach the gospel. Some of us are so concerned with all the tea and all the gossip in everyone's life and God wants you to know all the tea about him on some kingdom business so you can tell everybody all of God's business. You're worried about the ops the opposition for those that don't know you worried about the ops and the world being against you and God wants to use you on some kingdom business to be victorious just to prove that no weapon formed against you shall prosper you worried about people's pettiness when God wants to use you to see the best in people on some kingdom business and call out people's potential. You see, God may have been disrupting you this whole year and you didn't realize it until now, but it's time to get back to business. But let me tell you something. You ain't got to worry about me because you're going to find me doing what I want to do in God's house because I'm always about my father's business. Loving people, that's kingdom business. Spreading hope, that's kingdom business. Healing the hurt, that's kingdom business. Encouraging people, kingdom business. Standing for the have-nots, kingdom business. Expanding God's territory, kingdom business. Seeking and saving the lost kingdom business building strong families to build strong futures kingdom business breaking generational curses kingdom business seeing dead things come back to life kingdom business seeing the people that nobody else sees kingdom business having compassion kingdom business having empathy kingdom business helping my brother and helping my sister kingdom business preaching the gospel kingdom business preaching it with my life Kingdom business, being real. Kingdom business, spreading truth and grace. Kingdom business, you ain't got to worry about me, but more than that, you ain't got to worry about Jesus. Because if you're looking for him, you always going to find him in God's house talking about kingdom business. If you believe it, say amen. Are you going to spend the rest of this year worrying about what you lost or complaining about what God hasn't done yet? Or are you going to decide to get back in his house and get back to kingdom business? <laughs> but you know why it's hard for so many of us? And I've been here, so I get it. I understand. The truth is, you feel like you've lost something. And when you feel like you've lost something, it's so hard to get back to business, y'all. 
Y'all, I'm standing up here and y'all have heard the pain of my family. It's hard to move forward when you feel like you lost something. It's hard to get back to business. This is a tough season. When you come to the end, you know what you start seeing? You either start seeing all the things you've done or you start seeing all the things you wish you did and didn't do. Some of us feel like we're losing and when you feel like you've lost something or you feel like you are losing, it's so hard to get back to business. And here's the word of the Lord for you today. Until you find Jesus, it will be impossible for you to be a part of God's business, kingdom business. I love what Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says. Here is the hope today. Here is the good news. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I love this because this isn't a special word for specific people. The Bible says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, they find. And the one who knocks, the door shall be open. Ask, seek, knock. Because the truth of the matter is today, there's people in this room that feel like you have lost something. But you don't have to look far for Jesus today because he's right here where he's always been in his father's house about his father's business. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And some of us have been going through this whole year feeling like we lost something and we couldn't figure out what it is. And the word of the Lord for you today is go back. Go back to where you know Jesus is. I love it because he's never hard to find. Jesus doesn't make finding him a mystery. He's like, man, I've been where I've always been. He's just been waiting for you to come to him. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only he can fill. If you feel lost today, all you have to do is come back to him because he's an expert at finding lost things. He doesn't just find lost coins and lost sheep. He finds lost sons. He finds lost daughters. And he reconciles them to his father up in heaven because he loves us. You see, the truth is, Jesus is never lost. We are. But today, we have an opportunity to find him where he's always been, right here in his house. He loves you. If you need him today, all you got to do is open your eyes and open your heart. He's here for you. And Jesus, he doesn't want you to just call on him when you need something. He wants you to live a life so close to him that you never think that he's gone, that you never think that he's lost because you're in a real relationship with him. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.